Good evening, Moody Church. Glad to be here. Um, this uh, stressed out series, I hope you've been blessed so far. Pastor Tarj is going to bring a message, I believe, next week on, on depression. And uh, it's amazing we can, we can so take these um, often issues that fragment us, that, that have broken us, or that we, they evidence the sin um, that so easily entangles, but they can be something that, that drive us to see clearly Christ. They can, they can point us to Jesus. They can take us into deeper intimacy with the Savior. And that's my hope and that's my prayer tonight and hopefully with the series and that, that maybe there's one or two that, that touch you in a certain way and that God can use uh, to take you deeper into relationship with him. So that's, that's what we're hoping for. Will you pray with me? God, we, we ask you to come. You are here. You are speaking. Um, we ask you to op- help us open our hearts to you, uh, that you would have your way with us. Uh, God, push anything, any distraction from the day out, uh, anything that, that the evil one would want to uh, throw in as a hindrance, Father, that we would hear clearly from you, your spirit, your word, your presence with us. Thank you for the worship that, that as we sing, that is such a, a healing balm to our souls. We ask you to guide us now. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Your heart is beating out of your chest. Your mind is racing. You have so many thoughts at the same time that it's hard to have one complete thought. Always worrying about the future and the possibility of disappointing others. Not being good enough and always blaming yourself. Never being able to truly relax. Having fear of what tomorrow holds. Being powerless against your own mind constant struggle for control that you will likely never get. Pretending you're okay, but really you can't breathe or even think straight. Intimidated, overwhelmed, exhausted. Needing to escape, but not being able to. Your mind and body are so on high alert for no obvious reason. You can't breathe. Air is all around you, but you can't get to it. The worst case scenario in any situation is the one, is the most likely one. These are all um, responses of people to try to describe uh, what anxiety feels like. These, these are descriptions of people who struggle with anxiety. And, and maybe there's one of these that, or a few of them that, that resonate with you. Um, and I know based on, uh, you know, the population um, we're at different places with how anxiety hits us. Uh, some, it's, it's maybe a daily struggle, a battle. Some, it just flares up from time to time. Um, but regardless, um, I think we feel it. We can resonate with some of these at times. It says 275 million people struggle with um, an anxiety disorder worldwide. Uh, 4% of the population. Netflix subscribers in 2015, that's how many uh, nationally in the U.S. struggle with anxiety disorders. Our hope tonight, my hope tonight, is that those who are suffering, those who are struggling, those who, uh, wherever you find yourself, whatever intensity of anxiety you struggle with, that there's a vision for what God has and how he wants to draw you into a deeper relationship with him. 
We want to communicate what is true and good and right, but most importantly, we want to help you encounter the living God in the midst of this. We want to see Christ clearer. We want to see who we are clearer and the healing balm that Christ is to us. I want to start off with with identifying what is anxiety. Shine a spotlight on what it is and begin to unpack it a little bit. In the simplest way, it can be defined as something we value being threatened. Something we value being threatened. And this often, when something's threatened uh, that we value, it it kind of exposes our hearts a little bit. It it can expose maybe some things that are good that our hearts are, are tied to and attached to, and it can sometimes expose idols in our lives as well. Concern is good, but an abundance of concern and uneasy feelings of uncertainty, driving us toward dread or fear. That's another way of describing anxiety. Concern, we all experience concern, but an abundance of concern that leads to uneasy feelings of uncertainty, producing dread and fear. Anxiety attacks the whole person, not just the mind. Uh, It attacks uh, your will, it attacks your emotions, it attacks your physical body. I had a, uh, a counselor tell me it, it, that an analogy of, of anxiety is trying to, taking an off-ramp to the, uh, to the rest stop, right, along the highway, and, and not being able to get back on the highway. And you just sit there and spin donuts in, in the parking lot, not being able to know how to get back onto the highway. That kind of can be what anxiety is like. Physically, it causes us shortness of breath, increased heart rate, clammy palms, tense muscles, racing thoughts, twitching or fidgeting hands or legs. Longer-term anxiety may cause ulcers, irritable bowel syndrome, headaches, fatigue. It can cause behavior, like checking things repeatedly. It can cause uh, OCD tendencies. You can give counsel to others constantly to be careful. Don't climb that tree or don't spend too much money. It can put us on alert in, in kind of hypersensitive ways. It can be helpful to name anxiety specifically. Words like uneasy, scared, worried, nervous, tense, uptight, spooked, haunted, afraid, panicked, terrified, petrified are just a few. Our response to anxiety when it comes, sometimes it's, it's ongoing, sometimes it comes sporadically, it's a one-time deal, it comes in different ways. But when it comes, uh, our responses differ at times. Paul in, in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight 28 uh, displays a positive response to anxiety. He ha- kind of highlights and says, I'm anxious for the church, I'm, I'm concerned about the sheep, and dri- that concern drives him to God in a positive opportunity. So when when concern comes, when anxiety comes, it doesn't always have to be in a negative spin, but there are positive ways. And so I think the key thing is to discern what is my response? How is my heart responding to it? How is my mind responding to it? Um, An example of of, um, the negative responses that we can can drive toward uh, self-medication, isolation, anger, health issues, they drive distance between you and the Lord or distance between you and others. And so to see the difference between positive responses and negative responses is critical. Our motivation is often exposed in this. 
Often, anxiety forces us to focus on safety, certainty, and control. And we, we chase after those things, sometimes to extreme levels. And so to highlight those pieces is, is important. And they not, may not be bad. Safety is not bad. Certainty is not bad. And even control isn't bad uh, to a certain degree. But when they elevate themselves to a certain extreme, it, it can cause negative and unhealthy relating in living. The idea of, of our faith can be hamstrung by these things. Uh, we don't need to be driven by control. We don't need to be driven by safety to the extent we can't control. We are, we're under the sovereignty of God. God knows he's our ultimate protector. And so to stay up late at night fretting and wringing our hands about what tomorrow is going to hold, uh, pray. Bring those to the Lord, but then release them to him. I want to give you a few tools to think through, to evaluate um, anxiety. First thing that I think is pretty obvious is Scripture, right? The Word of God kind of highlighting and putting, putting uh, you know, a spotlight on our anxiety, whether it's a positive response, a negative response, what is, what is coming out of that? Another thing is the renewal of the mind, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2, be transformed by the renewal of the mind. Mind renewal in this is critical, and we could, we could spend a whole series or even sermon on what is mind renewal, what does that look like? But, but it is, in this context, in Romans 12, it's a worship context. It's, it's putting yourself on the altar again, and specifically your mind, and allowing God to come and, and kind of sift it, sift your heart, sift your mind, sift your decisions, sift your thought patterns, and so that he may recalibrate that and guide you. So, mind renewal. And then thirdly, the Lord is the source, right? He's the one that brings about transformation. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says transformation comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He's the one that brings change. He's the one that brings about any movement toward healing, any movement out of wrong patterns and behavior. He's the one that's going to do it. Through his word, through mind renewal, and through him, specifically the Spirit. A template that I find helpful to think through these is, is beliefs, behavior, and affections, right? Beliefs, the idea of, of that's a big part of mind renewal, we're right, thinking right thoughts, thinking right thoughts about God, about us, about the situation in the world. That's critical. Behavior, the doing, how am I doing? How am I being a doer of the word? How am I living out what I know to be true? That's critical as well. But probably the most significant one and mo the most difficult piece and, and, and uh, third leg of the stool that it's har hardest to navigate is the affections, the things of the heart, the things of emotions, the stuff of the gut-level realities that, that, that we're plagued by, right? And, and so how do you navigate that? How do you recalibrate affections and desires? That's not easy, right? And you, you think through... Um, how do, I, how do I navigate that? Uh, try to write with your opposite hand, right? Try to drive on the opposite side of the street that you've been taught, right? Some of you have you've spent time in other countries, and that, that's incredibly difficult. It's hard to retrain yourself when you've been, you know, formed in a certain pattern and a certain routine. It's incredibly difficult. 
trying to reset the affections is much like that. So, so be gracious with yourself in trying to kind of pioneer new patterns in our life that can help us move away from anxiety and take and receive and hold on to the peace that God provides, right? So, so affections, beliefs, behavior, kind of capturing each of those pieces and those three legs of the stool is crucial. But change doesn't come just by knowing the situation, just by knowing the facts, just by pointing to say, yep, there's the fear, there's the anxiety, there's the stress that's come right there, that's what's causing it. Even though when we do that, we, we pinpoint it, we name it, um, we know the facts, we have it all laid out, sometimes we're still unable to bring about change and move in the direction that we know we should or need to. Why is that the case? Well, I, w- I want to highlight two different ways of knowing, right? Two different ways of, of knowing or knowledge. One is implicit and one is explicit. Explicit is, is kind of more intellectual knowledge. It's like times tables or my wedding anniversary or the temperature in Chicago winter, right? Those are pretty finite, ca- tangible. I know how I learned those. They're pretty explicit. The implicit stuff of life is gut level. It's emotive, it's memory-driven, it's squishy, it's hard to get our arms around. We don't always have words that we can articulate with those things. And that's why dealing with anxiety or trying to get our arms around the affections and the desires that, that are at the center of this is so difficult. These could be things that we, our, our body or our person has been taught uh, way back, way back in maybe parenting uh, patterns or routines that we had that that developed even before we were able to make sense of them, right? And so you can begin to see why implicit uh, knowledge has such a powerful force in our lives, and we can't get our arms around it. But it's important for us to give attention to this. Think of swimming, right? Um, Learning how to swim, uh, there's a, a level of implicit knowledge there where explicitly I can stand on the deck of the pool and and tell my kids, okay, do this, paddle this way, kick, and do all these things, but at some point they need to get in the pool and do it, right? And, And I can give them guidance, I can hold them up, I can do so many things explicitly, but at the end of the day, there's a sense of feeling it out and doing things and responding to that that they learn. And I think learning to recalibrate our affections and and move toward the peace of God is like that. So the idea of of relearning is difficult. It is incredibly difficult. A couple things we need to, is a summary point before we head into um, a passage that I want to walk you through that can maybe give us some help in this, is we need to bring our concerns to the Lord. We need to name them and say, here's where I'm at, Lord. Here's what I'm feeling. Here's what I'm experiencing. You know these things. Ask for strength. Ask for his grace. Ask for help to obey the word of God. And and move out in relationship, right? Move out. God was a, a God who was on the move in always engaging in relationship. And I think in the midst of our brokenness, specifically with anxiety, Uh, We can't allow the shame of such things to to keep it under wraps. We need to bring it into the light and allow God himself and the the body of Christ to help us with that. So as we move into the acting portion, right, the doing, okay, so what, right? We're unpacking a little bit. Here's what anxiety is. Um, The psalmist teaches us how to encounter God because I think that's where the true 
remedy is found. It's not quick and instantaneous, but, but it is the pattern that the psalmist lays out in, specifically in the Lament Psalms on how to bring your brokenness before God. And, and basically in a summary, all that we are before all that he is, right? All that I am, all that you are, brokenness, beauty, all of it together to the person and the one who fashioned us, who created us. Encountering God is a central piece of dealing with our anxiety. His person, his refuge, his hope, and his change. Encountering God in prayer brings peace that surpasses understanding. Encountering God in prayer brings peace that passes understanding. So Philippians 4 is the passage I would love to, to spend a little bit of time. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. If you have a copy of God's Word, it's up on the screen here. Uh, but even before we get to verses 6 and 7, this is, Paul, Paul has as a worship context that he's, he's laying out here. Um, is he's, he's really having us uh, think about rejoice. And even in the words we were singing, uh, rejoice, rejoice, uh, sets the tone of, of, of a lot of the book, but specifically this passage. It's really coupling all the advice, all the promises, all the exhortations in this passage is a worship tone. And so regardless of his circumstances, regardless of, of Paul's situation in, in, in the church in Philippi, regardless of ours, God is rightly to be worshipped and, and to be front and center to our situations. And, and we see there in, in verse 4, it's in the Lord. We're rejoicing not in ourselves, not in the world, not in principalities and powers, but in the Lord. And so this idea of hallelujah anyway, it's been a tough day. It's been a tough week. It's been a tough year. It's been maybe a tough decade. I don't know. Hallelujah anyway, right? There's a, there's a sense where God says, worship me, right? And, and singing, that's, that's what the psalmist did, singing their laments, and in the midst of that, God met them there, and he encountered them, and he began to recalibrate, not quickly at times, not quickly, but it began to wash over their soul and began to help change their perspective on so much of life. Rejoicing in the Lord, reflection on the things of God. Logical answers limit us. Right? Logical answers limit us. Uh, you've had people maybe say, well, just stop it. Just don't do that anymore. And you're thinking, okay, you're right, but I'm not able to do that. Right? And this is why um, logic, right? Like the, the, the idea of, okay, anxiety isn't going to be overcome by just understanding. Right? Just understand. Let me understand a little more. Understanding is good, but that's what the beauty of this passage is peace that passes, surpasses understanding. That's what we need. We need the peace of God that, that trans, you know, just goes over, over our understanding, our logic, our logical answers are not sufficient. Our knowledge is not sufficient. The peace of God, God himself, and the peace that he bestows on his people is much greater, much more powerful than just knowledge itself. The peace that God has for us is, is it's kind of like Jesus in the back of the boat, right? In Mark 4. Think back to Mark 4. He, he's asleep in the back of the boat. 
The disciples are fretting. They're anxious. They're freaking out. They're like, the storms, we're going to die. And, and where's Jesus? He's in the back of the boat asleep. And, and I don't think that was negligence. I don't think that was negligence at all. I think Jesus, I think we see the psalmist kind of declare that resting in the Lord, trusting in the Lord, there's a sense of sleep is that. And I think in Mark 4, Jesus was putting on display his trust and his rest in the Lord in the midst of a crazy situation. And we see how, you know, the narrative went. He woke up and, and kind of calmed the seas and everything was fine. But I'm, I'm sure he's like, come on, guys, have some faith, trust, trust the Lord. And that might be part of the word God has for you today. I don't know your situation. I don't know your circumstances. I don't know your thought patterns. I don't know the state of your heart. I don't know the, the frenetic you know, thoughts that just come and you can't, you're doing donuts in, in the parking lot of the, of the rest stop and you can't get back on the highway. I don't know. But God says, trust me. Just, just sit with me. Let me take you. Let me love you. Come up in my lap and let me be your God. Be my God. Prayer. Prayer is here in this passage, right? Um, and, and, and prayer declares our dependence upon God. It orients our heart toward God. It says, God, you're the one with the answers. You're the one who's going to help. I don't have it in myself. I'm broken. I'm fractured. I'm anxious. I'm stressed out. I'm worried. You're the one that can bring the peace. And so that prayer. And maybe you don't have the ability to, to pray long, robust prayers. Maybe your prayer is, Jesus, help, right? Maybe that's all you've got. And, and there's many times where anxious people, that's, that's about all you got. Or maybe you don't even have that. You're, maybe you're calling up a friend and say, pray for me. I can't pray for myself, right? The body of Christ. But whatever you have, whatever you're offering, he, offering, he will receive. He will receive. And he, his peace, I believe, will come. So prayer orients our heart toward God and our dependence upon God. It guards our heart, it says, right? It seasons and stabilizes our heart, right? It guards our heart. It gives us imagery of this, uh, this big wall that God, man, I need a wall sometimes from the craziness of the world. This world brings some crazy situations, and I need to, be, I have, need to have my heart guarded from it. And so, Lord, in your peace, bring the ability to do that. Bring that protection, we ask. There's also the corporate effect. Paul here is also saying uh, the, the church in Philippi, this is a corporate effect that we want, not just us as individuals navigating anxiety well and the peace of God coming to establish us, but we as the church need the peace of God. Right? And so that can be a help and a testimony to one another, not just looking to the Lord, but, but even when I look to one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, I can see evidence. I can see fruit being born of peace, being sown in our midst. I can see anxiety dissipating. I'm like, man, that guy was stressed out. And look, look at him worship the Lord. Look at him. He's taken his concerns before the Lord. And maybe, maybe it's a close friend and you've seen them walk moment by moment, day by day, in the midst of it, and you see God do a healing work and the peace of God come in. Eternal hope, that's where I want us to end here, is, is that even in the midst of peace, 
to come and the peace of God to come into our lives, um, it's not fully and completely yet. There's still, anxiety is going to still flare up. It's still going to come. There's still going to be waves of anxiety that come. And so part of the, the intent I believe God has is he wants us to continue to look toward our eternal hope, our hope and glory, when, when there will be no more anxiety. There will be no more worry or fear. It will not plague us like it does today. And maybe that's the prayer. Maybe that's the prayer you need to pray for yourself or that friend of yours who's struggling with anxiety that eternal hope that will bring joy and blessing and freedom and incremental victories God brings now will be ultimate then. Revelations 21, Revelation 21, 1 to 4, right? Paints a great picture of what it'll be like. No more tears, no more worry, no more concern of the things of this world. Things will not plague us like they do now. That's a beautiful thing. James says, the New Testament church kind of was encouraged to, to understand that the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand is another way to put it, the translators put it. And so we need to know that the Lord is near. The Lord is at hand, James 5.8. And to see that he is our hope. That yes, I hope that you have incremental, sometimes baby step movement toward victory and the peace of God washing over you daily but knowing that, yes, he is our ultimate hope and he's going to help us see and encounter Christ in our anxiety that's going to draw us closer to him. Part of the purpose that I, I think he allows for anxiety or depression or, or these things that we're talking about this series is that I believe that they're potentially avenues that draw us closer to him in intimacy, deeper into relationship with him. And I know that's, that sounds so not like it can happen, or, or that, that, like, in the midst of it, it doesn't sound like, Lord, what are you doing? But, but that's, that's got to be part of it. It's got to be part of it so that we can begin to see, Lord, you are about loving your people, caring for your people, taking care and, and watching over your people. There's a great um, passage in 1 Peter 5, 7. Maybe that'll be the next screen. And this is a loose translation of 1 Peter 5, 7. So forgive me, this isn't ESV. It's a loose translation. Hurl your fears straight into his hands. Lay your fragile treasures in his lap. Give him your anxiety. Maybe that's your prayer tonight. And I wanted to, to share this with you because it's such a personal, fatherly passage that deals with our anxiety. It says, crawl up on my lap. Let me hold you. Just let me be with you, your presence. Let my peace wash over you. Let who I am interface and take over all that you are, right? Focus on me, not on the things that are causing you concern. I think that's such a powerful thing. Where is the hope? When can I wake? When I can't see it. You know, you're thinking, okay, this sounds good, but it seems so far off. It seems like, will I get there? Will I get there? I've been watching a lot of fifth grade basketball lately. I don't know if anybody else is watching fifth grade basketball. Um, I have a fifth grader in my house, and, 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 and sometimes there's, you know, a, a lot of discrepancy between the, the, uh, the, the, um, the end result on wins and losses and 
points made or not made or shooting percentage that's abysmal. Uh, but, but I keep reminding myself in, in, in fifth grade basketball as I watch my son and his friends play is like fundamentals, fundamentals, pass, shoot, right? Like just those things that, that there's very little success it seems like. But keep on doing the fundamentals bit by bit, bit by bit because the long-term goal, you're going to see it pay off. You keep taking foul shots. Sooner or later, you do 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 foul shots, you're going to get a little better. Those patterns are going to be recalibrated. You're going to learn how to shoot better. And I think recalibrating the patterns in our lives and dealing with our anxiety is the same way. Small little victories. What's the baby step today that God's asking you to make? Right? What's the baby step? What's the small little one degree change that we need to make today, right? Maybe it's just confessing, Lord, here, here's my thoughts. Here's where I'm at. Here are the things concerning me. Here's where, where anxiety has a stranglehold around my throat. Or maybe it's confessing to a trusted friend and say, hey, you don't know this, but you need to know. Can you pray for me? Maybe it's that small step. Maybe it's adopting a routine, a spiritual discipline this week. Maybe it's been a while since you've been in the Word. Maybe your prayer life isn't what it should be. I'm not here to shame you and here to point the finger. I'm just saying, what's that small step that God may be nudging you toward so that you can encounter His peace that passes understanding? Will you pray with me? Lord, we ask you to do a work that only you can do. You're the one that brings peace. You're the one that transforms lives. You own us. You possess us. If we are in Christ, we are yours. And God, we ask you to, to just help us to move out in that one degree change today, that small step, and that in time, that as we would keep the course, step by step, bit by bit, grace upon grace, that you would transform our lives so that anxiety would not have the stranglehold on some of us and that the peace of God would bring the joy and the fulfillment and, and the beauty that he, God you want to bring in our lives, that we would get a taste of heaven now of what it will be then. Lord, we pray that you would do this work. Thank you that you're the one that does it. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.